This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hi, I'm Craig Ellingson, sports editor at the Edmonton Journal and the Edmonton Sun, and this is our Oilers podcast for November 24th, 2016. I'm on the phone with Jim Matheson, who is in Glendale, Arizona, just arrived there to cover the Oilers and Coyotes tomorrow night. Hi, Maddie, how are you? Very good, Craig. Last night's late game, Oilers and Avalanche, and... Uh, i got to say, that was uh, quite the finish. The, the final half of the second period, the third period, the orders were essentially all over the, the host avalanche. Well, I think what, what we're finding is that a good number of teams the orders play against, the orders have more offense than the teams they're playing against. And, I mean, whether it's McDavid or Dreisaitl or, you know, Eberle or... Lucic or whomever, uh, Nugent Hopkins, they have more offense. So when they get going, they're a handful. And uh, last night the orders were sloppy defensively, I thought, certainly in the first period and for you know half the second period. And But I never got the feeling when I was watching the game that the orders wouldn't still win because they had lots of chances. And they, unless Colorado absolutely you know slammed the door and shut it down in the third period and and won the game 3-2 or 4-2 empty net. I, I still thought as long as the game was a track meet, the Oilers were going to win the game. And I think 16 goals in the last three games for the Oilers, um, five against Dallas, five against Chicago, six against Colorado. So they're scoring lots of goals. And in a 3-2 league, that's more than enough to win the game when you're scoring that many goals. Now, you know, they've won these last three games, and they've been strong games against well, against Dallas and Chicago, certainly strong opposition, arguably Colorado less so. But the switch did, did seem to be flipped there between the Dallas game and, and the road, and, you know, their previous game. And now my memory's slipping. Who did they play before Dallas? Uh, um, they, they lost the game and lost five in a row. That's because their fifth straight loss was... Uh, they lost to L.A. That's right. Well, I, I don't know if it was... They lost to Anaheim before that, yeah. What, is there a, was there a eureka moment in there, do you think? Did uh, throw a bunch of sticks in the so. shower? I I think they played well against both teams and lost. They just couldn't score. And then suddenly they got against Dallas, not not as good a team, and then they, they scored some goals. But um, the orders, they're still, they've still been fairly streaky. You know, 7-1 and one to start. They won two of the next ten. Now they won three in a row. So um, in that span, they they won five in a row when they started seven and one. They lost five in a row in their ten game um, uh, skid, um, and then now they won three in a row. So they're not haven't been terribly consistent in terms of win a couple, lose one, win a couple, lose one. But it's tough to knock a team that's leading the Pacific Division, and you know. The history suggests that uh, uh, with the NHL going to 30 teams, 
If you're in the playoffs on U.S. Thanksgiving, which it is today, uh, 78% of the time you make the playoffs. And the Oilers are certainly in the playoffs leading the Pacific Division. So, um, you know, if you go by statistics, the Oilers should be in the playoffs. Uh, most teams hang on from the, you know, end of November till the end of the season and don't lose their playoff spot. So it's looking very good for the Oilers right now. And what, what it proved last night, I think, is that in the past, the Oilers would have had a really good game against the Chicago and then lost the next game. You know, we were, you know, the fans would have got all excited because they beat Chicago and then they go into Colorado and they lose 4-2 or something, you know. And one step forward, one step back. So the Oilers are proving this year that they can beat the really good teams like Chicago and Washington and St. Louis, all um, Stanley Cup contenders. And then they can also beat the, the Calgary Flames and the Colorado Valley Avalanches of the, the NHL uh, pot. So, I mean, they're they're making strides. I mean, uh, they're playing certainly winning a lot more games than I thought they would, uh, being the negative Charlie I am going into the season. Now, a lot of slumps, a lot of slumps ended last night. So, I mean, Nugent Hopkins scoring, Lucic scoring, Everly scoring a pair. Um, now, now, then there's the play of Connor McDavid. Uh, you know, his goal. Uh, beating Tyson Berry, basically a foot race, and then banking it off the goalie. Obviously, Conor McDavid is a catalyst for this team, and oh, he's continuing to show when that. He, when he when he wants to crank it up, the rest of the people are just like pedestrians. It, you know, it's like a a Maserati against a cement truck. I mean, he just blows by people. You know, he did on the uh, Lucic goal too, or he. he charged the net and uh, there was a scramble the goalie made a save and Lucic came in and banged in the puck to tie it and then as you said he went around Barry and then from behind the net banked it off the goalie's leg and the next thing you know you know the orders are up 4-3 and then they never stop from there so as one of the pro scouts said last night in the press box in the Western Conference pro scout he says there are first overall draft picks and then there are first overall draft picks who are way better than other first overall draft picks and that is Connor McDavid so you know um, he's just better and as long as he's on the Oilers I don't think they're ever out of a game and he seems to be able to rise to the challenge when it is a close game to suddenly turn the game in the Oilers favor so uh, so far so good and he's got 27 points and that is one of the faster starts for the Oilers an Oiler player in the first 21 games. I mean, Gretzky, you know, is in another world, but he's in the same ballpark as Mark Messier and Yuri Curry and um, Craig Simpson in terms of a lot of points in the first 21 games, and he has 27. So, yeah, he's the catalyst, and as you pointed out, Lucic, you know, has had acres of trouble scoring, but he looked better last night um, as the game wore on, scored, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins hadn't had an even strength goal all season, and he scored in the first period. Actually, he had lots going in the first period. I thought it might be one of those nights where he might get three goals. He had so many chances in the first period, but he only got the one. And Jordan Eberle always scores against uh, Colorado. That's one of his favorite teams. Um, he's, you know, he scores lots of goals, and he's about a point-a-game player against Colorado in his history. So it's not surprising, I don't think, if you look at his stats, that he, he does well against Colorado. But... You know, like I said, if you're going to score 16 goals in three games, you're going to win them all. Now, of course, you know, the Oilers started strong, and they had their 10-game swoon there when they went 2-7-1, and now these 
these last three victories. And, uh, you know, you look at Leon Dreisaitl, and I'll bring him up. Of course, you know, in those periods of time, just like, just like you know, many players on the Oilers, there was a struggle there over that 10-game that stretch where they were, you know, losing a lot more than winning. Uh, but Leon's come on, just like, obviously, like a lot of other people, but his play is noticeably picked up over these, la- these wins. Yeah, he's got 16 points, I think, so, yeah, he's picked it up as well. They have a nice mix. I mean, because they have so many offensive players, it's given Todd McClellan the ability to move people around. Like, you know, some teams, they only got four offensive players, and he's got two, they got two lines. They put two on one line, two on another line, and then the third and fourth line don't have much going, but he's been able to, to jockey offensive players in the first three lines, and and certainly Dreisaitl. After some some games where he wasn't very noticeable, you know, he's got seven goals, and he's got, like I said, 16 points. So um, he's, you know, that's not a point a game, but but he's playing a nice tag team, I think, is the best way to put it for Connor McDavid, because if, he can, if McDavid's not doing it, Dreisaitl has, has lots going on his plate, too. And the only negative for the Oilers, I would suggest, is that their plus-minuses for all the players aren't great. I mean, most of the players got a, you know, a minus. A lot of the forwards got minuses, so uh, including Dreisaitl, but um, you know, defensemen like Chris Russell and Matt Benning are solidly plus. So um, it's good and bad. You know, they've scored lots of goals, but they've they've given up lots of five on five. But those two defensemen are very good. Uh, Plus minus and underrated, I think. Now you bring up the defense. I was going to ask you about Matt Benning. Uh, he got uh, a big hit on uh, Nathan McKinnon. Obviously, uh, that would uh, you know you never expect open ice hits like that. A clean hit. Tell me about the play of Matt Benning and what he's what he's been how he's been maturing here over the season so far. Well, I think he's been the surprise of the Oilers. I don't think you know, when they signed him. This summer, uh, from Northeastern University, he's from St. Albert, of course, Brian Benning's son. I think most people thought, okay, college player, he'll come to camp and he'll he'll play a few games and they'll send him to Bakersfield and he'll play a few months there and they'll see how he is and maybe they call him up. Well, he just kept staying and staying and staying at training camp and at the end of the season he was still on the team. And then he was kind of like the eighth defenseman and then when Bakersfield played a couple of games in Manitoba, they sent him down to play the two and then they brought him back and he hasn't gone since. You know, he's played 12 games. He's plus seven uh, on the third pairing with Darnell Nurse. And admittedly, he's been sheltered somewhat because he's playing in the third pairing. He did play with uh, Sekera, uh too, when uh, Chris Russell was hurt. But for the most part, he's playing in the third pairing. So he's not going against the other team's top guns. But still, uh, he looks like an NHL player. And the hit on McKinnon was terrific. I mean, it was... You know, shoulder to chest bone, and and he really um, knocked the wind right out of McKinnon, one of the best players in the National Hockey League. And it was one of those ones where you watch it unfolding, and then you say, just keep your shoulder down, don't get the elbow up, don't hit him in the head, because those are the kind of plays you get suspended on. But he did everything the right way, and and uh, it was a clean hit. And uh, you know, not only is he moving the puck well, but he hits hard. So. Um, that's a plus, and when Brandon Davidson gets back from his shoulder problem, 
the orders will have eight defensemen again, and I don't know if, what they do if Matt Benning's still playing well. What that, what happens there? So it's an interesting situation uh, whenever Brandon gets back. Now, I'm thinking about that. I mean, obviously, just recently, a couple of days ago, the Las Vegas team announces its nickname, the Golden Knights, and uh, and you know, talk about you know, it's still a few months away, but the expansion draft will occur and. Uh, you know, just talk about what the, what will the orders do. They're allowed to either protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie, or eight skaters, a combination of forwards and defense and a goalie. And then, you know, we look at, you know, discounting the players who aren't eligible uh, to be, you know, the, the players that the orders don't have to protect, like McDavid is a one player the orders don't have to protect. Nurse, oh, nurse is another one. But now we have a situation where there are a few defensemen that the others would want to protect, including a Davidson and a Benning. Um, uh, they don't have to protect Benning. They don't. First year player, no. So okay. they don't uh, first year pro, but they would have to protect Davidson. Yeah. I suspect they'll go three defensemen, uh, and one of those defensemen is uh, Sekra, who has a no move clause, so he has to be protected. The other ones are Larson and Clefbaum, uh, and they would protect seven forwards, um, which leaves a defenseman available, and that would seem to be Brandon Davidson. Um, and you know every team's going to lose a player I mean it's like you know every team's going to lose one player they probably don't want to lose because there's only one expansion team coming in this time not two uh, where the talent pool is a little more diluted and the NHL wants Vegas to have a reasonably good team to start with so every team I think is going to lose some player uh, who is on the cusp of being a good player but is a young player and the team just can't protected. A case in point would be Anaheim with Josh Manson, Dave Manson's son. It's another situation where he's a very good player, but Anaheim has too many defensemen to protect, so he'll be available too. So if Davidson gets goes, uh, that's the way it goes. I mean, they're going to lose somebody. And you know, I know um, one of the pro scouts, the Western pro scout for the Vegas Golden Knights is Kelly Kissio, the former GM of the Calgary Hitmen, and he's seen Brandon Davidson play many games for the Regina Pats, so he knows all about Brandon Davidson, so um, he has a better book on Brandon Davidson perhaps than most people do, so if they lose Brandon, it'd be too bad, because I think he's come on and he played very well last year, uh, but if Benning continues to play well, at least that gives them a fallback if, if they do lose uh, Brandon Davidson. Now, of course, Chris Russell's a free agent at the end of the year. Um, but Chris Russell obviously is came back to the lineup after being gone. I mean, he could be available too. Yeah. Uh, and but the team taking him, Vegas, you know, you're wasting a spot on a player you might not be able to sign. You know, right. You still have to sign him because he's an unrestricted free agent. So most of those sort of players aren't going to get taken by teams because there's no guarantee that the player would sign with them. No, I was going to bring up with Russell though. Bringing him up, I guess I just changed gears a bit. Um, you know, Rob Tichkowski wrote about him the other day following the Chicago game. Uh, you know, the Oilers are now 10-3-1 and with him in the lineup, and uh, they're 2-5 without him. Uh, you know, talking about, you know, what what does he bring to the, to the team? Is there anything to that, or is he just in the right place at the right time? Uh, you know, before we record, press record for this podcast, we were talking about the Oilers' defense and how it's a defense by committee, when it, especially when it comes to the offense. There's no 
Paul Coffey or you know offensive defenseman like uh, Eric Carlson that's on the orders now so when for example when I'm watching on television like last night's game I'm not necessarily seeing any of the defensemen including Russell in the picture with, with you know a lot of the play that we watched in the avalanche end what does Chris Russell do that makes him seemingly a valuable part of this team Depends if you're asking somebody who's big on analytics or you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking you. <laughs> well, the analytics people don't are still on the fence about him because you know they don't like some of his stats and and but he's a professional. You know he when he's on the ice, you feel fairly confident that the puck's not going to be in your net, and that's that's been the problem with the Oilers until this year. They didn't have enough NHL defensemen. They would have three or four, and then they tried to patch with others who were either six and seven and eight on most teams, contending teams' depth charts, but on the orders, you know, they played a lot of minutes. This year they have NHL defensemen, and Russell is one of those. I think he he's a tough Western cowboy, you know, from Alberta, and he plays bigger than he is, and if he was at, in the rodeo, he'd be on the, riding a bronc, I'm sure. I mean, that's just who he is. He's tough, and he, you know, uh, he goes against bigger people. Moves the puck pretty well. Blocks lots of shots. Um, and you know, he is. You know, it's, it's, it's you can't. It's tough to overlook the fact when he plays, they win most games. So he's got something going for him. And when he doesn't play, there's a large hole there. So um, that screams MVP to me. You know, on the defense. If, when he plays, they win most games, and when he doesn't, they lose most games. So that was a nice signing, another nice signing by Peter Shirelli. Um, when most other teams uh, um, couldn't come to cut terms with him, probably because he wanted about a five-year contract for big, big dollars after last season as an unrestricted free agent, and then the market dried up, and teams weren't offering that much in terms of term or dollars. And the next thing you know, Russell's still available. And, signing a one-year contract for the order. So, I mean, it would, it would be silly for the orders not to re-sign him when the season's over, you know, as a, you know, as an unrestricted free agent and, you know, give him a three- or four-year contract for, you know, four-and-a-half million a year or whatever. And then they'd have Secker and Russell and Clefbaum and Larson and, um, you know, Darnell Nurse and, whether Benning or Davidson, so they'd be really good on defense. They're a gripe as, you know, as the extra guy. So, I mean, every scout you talk to now says the biggest change in the orders is their defense is, is more than competent. And in the past, they'd watch the orders play, and they said, well, when the puck was going north, they were fine. When the puck was going south and it was in their end, uh, they couldn't get it out. When I was, you know, they can get it out most times, you know. Last night, obviously, the first period and a bit, they didn't, they were very shaky. But for the most part, they've been pretty good defensively. So, and that has a lot to do with the defenseman getting the puck and moving into the forwards, and not just hammering around the boards and and getting pinned in their end. Now we've got a trio of games coming up against opposition. Uh, that is, you know, the Oilers are first place in the Pacific. The Arizona Coyotes, you know, the opposition for the next two games, in a home and away are in last place in the Western Conference. And then Toronto follows on Tuesday, and they're uh, closer to the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings than the top. Um, you know, 
so heading in, I mean, I don't think we can, you know, there's still the NHL. They, there's these teams go out there to win. What do the Oilers need to do to ensure they don't, you know, maybe rest in their laurels a bit? Well, I don't think it matters where the Arizona Coyotes are in the standing because they beat the Oilers for fun. They have for the last five years. I mean, it's baffling, but Arizona beats the Oilers every time they play them. Gets a point almost every time they play them, whether they lose in overtime or shootout or whatever. They get, always seem to get a point against the Oilers. So I, if I was the Oilers, I wouldn't be all that high and mighty play in Arizona, no matter where they are in the standings. And certainly they're, you know, six wins, ten losses, and two ties. So I've only got 14 points. So, um, But Antoine Bernadette isn't with the Coyotes anymore, is he? No, he's not. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> They'll the Coyotes and they beat the Oilers, like I said. I don't know. what it, Whatever people they got in their jerseys, they seem to be able to beat the Edmonton Oilers. So that's a home and away, uh, home and home, rather, with Arizona and the Oilers Friday and Sunday. So, uh, you know, maybe the Oilers, maybe that track record won't hold up when you play the same team twice so close together. So Arizona might not have the advantage like they normally do. But the Toronto game will be interesting because it will be Austin Matthews against Connor McDavid again. And NBC is actually picking up that game uh, to show it nationally in the United States. So um, last time they, Connor was in Toronto, uh, Austin Matthews didn't do very much. Uh, Connor didn't do very much. And Nazem Kadri was checking him, and he did a lot. So I would suspect that. Connor McDavid remembered that game, and uh, he will be out to um, make up for uh, Kadri's work in the first game. So that'll be a storyline to look for on, on Tuesday. Well, Maddie, I think we'll leave things at that for today. I'll let you get back and, and enjoy the. I'm not even sure what the weather's like in Glendale today, but maybe it's a touch warmer than it is up here in Edmonton. Is it snowing there yet? No, not yet. Have no fear. It's a little sunnier today than it, than it has been, but okay. anyways, winter will come. Flood and somebody's tomorrow in my neighborhood, so. Oh, okay. Anyway. All right, well, I'll be back on uh, Saturday, so by then hopefully uh, I'll be making sure that I've got a scraper for my car. In case it is. You bet. All right, thanks a lot, Matty. Okay, take care.